0: Everything that he saw, everything that he knew, everything that your spirit revealed to him about who you were and what's going on and what's coming soon, we, like John said, Jesus, even so come. And so, Father, as we wrap up this series this morning and we sing and we celebrate and we join with thousands around this globe and around the throne even today that are giving you praise, we long like those who came to see Jesus, we want to see Jesus. And so allow us to do that today through music and your word. May the glory of God abound in this place. May every demon of darkness run and flee. And may you be glorified this day. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Dave. Well, as you heard, as I prayed, as Co said a moment ago, we do something we only do two or three times here at Community Alliance Church. We finished a series. Now, two weeks from now, I'll say the same thing. We do what we are only do a few times here. going to start another one. But today we finished a series in the book of Revelation. I hope you've enjoyed it. My desire has been to take this mysterious, confusing, somewhat overlooked book of the Bible and make it exciting and practical. Songwriter and author Michael Card said, This so-called book of the future is actually waiting to be applied to our daily lives. Revelation is not just a guidebook for dealing with end times. It is a guidebook for every single day of our lives. Yes, absolutely, we look forward to the future manifestation of the triumph of King Jesus. But we also live in the present with encouragement, power, hope, and purpose. Hope is an incredible, incredible force. The story that we read at the end of last Sunday's sermon about Jen is just one small, small example of the unbelievable hope we have in Christ. Knowing that no matter what goes on in this life, He's got something absolutely incredible for us on the other side. Revelation calls us in your sermon notes to live in the glory of God right here and now with hearts filled with praise and worship. Revelation, Card says, is a book of worship. Eugene Peterson's commentary, Reverse Thunder, said, Worship is the acknowledgement of the revelation of God in our lives. Worship is the acknowledgement of the revelation of God in our lives. The term revelation means the unveiling of Christ, which is what we hope we understand. What I have been frustrated with, and I'm sure you have as well, with how sometimes commentators have misinterpreted or at least caused a lot of confusion, so much so with the message of this book that we forget the message, and the message is this, Jesus wins. That's the message of the book. We get so confused with all the other things that go into it. The message of the book is ultimately this. Jesus wins. And when you're in the middle of a storm and you're in the middle of life and you're in the middle of the uncertainty of life and you wonder where it's going to go and you wonder how it's going to turn and wonder what's going to take place and will I ever get through it, don't you want to know in the middle of all of that confusion and uncertainty that you know, I know, we sing, we celebrate Jesus wins. And that's the essence of the book. We know that God is so much bigger sometimes than the boxes we try to squeeze him into to fit our philosophy and theology. We can be so rigid or overthink and overanalyze that we reduce everything to theological formulas. And if it doesn't fit in the formula, I don't know if I can understand. And just at the point when you think you know exactly how Jesus is supposed to work, and we contain him to our theology and our songs, he comes and shows himself in a fascinating way. And that's what I love about this particular book. It's so much more than anything else we can imagine. It is the unveiling, as I said a moment ago, of the living Christ, which is, again, why God chose to term it revelation. Not revelations, revelation, the revealing or the unveiling of Christ. Let me show you again. You've seen it in Matthew. You've seen it in Mark. You've seen it in Luke. You've seen it in John. Let me show you again. It's not just that Jesus that you saw there. There's another side of Jesus that I just want to show you a glimpse of. And so God gives John the unbelievable opportunity to peel back the darkness, to lift the curtain a little bit, and let us see what's on the other side. Michael Card said, I hope people, when they read the book of Revelation, recognize the end times issues are the minutia in here. But when you read every other author so often, it's all about end time theology. It is just the minutiae in here. God is so much bigger than that. It is about our eternal hope in God. We get to stand with countless people down through the ages and join, as I said a moment ago, with thousands and thousands and thousands of angels around the globe who sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We can in faith be there when that day comes. And we can be now, here and now, in the very throne room of God. He's given us that access. Last Sunday we shared the final piece of that in Revelation 21 and 22. And we said that the the glimpse that John gives us in this is not just about scenery. It is incredible. But it's not just about scenery. As amazing as that will be, it's about who will be with And what will become, we will be with God forever and we'll be with those who down through the ages have known Christ. I don't know if you have a list of people that you want to talk to when you get to heaven. Want to see Jesus. I said a moment ago, the thing that keeps running in my head this morning is two of the people that came with Philip and said, we just want to see Jesus. And so obviously that's what I want. But I want to see him. I want to see the face of God that we'll talk about in a moment. I want to see Peter. I want to see Joshua. I have this vision in my head of what Paul looks like. I want to find out if he really looks like that. Have you ever found yourself in situations trying to visualize who you're talking to on the phone? And then you find out what they really look like? And it's not always like that. I said to you on so many occasions we have this Duke-loring voice of God. Hello, I'm God. And I just think it's going to be hilarious when we get to. Is Duke here? There you are, Duke. Oh, there you are. I just think it's going to be hilarious when we get to heaven and say, hey, hey, come on in. And God's got a high southern voice, invites us home. Glad to have you here. You get to see Jesus. I could be a southern gospel preacher. We've often heard heard phrases down through the ages about going to heaven to that. He went to that big baseball game in the sky. He went to that big hunting field in the sky. He went to that golf game in the sky. All of that, no matter what you say, it's so much bigger than any of that. Anything that we say about anything along that line pales in comparison to what God has for us personally. We get to know Jesus. We get to see Jesus. We said last Sunday morning, we get to be whole. We get to be complete, totally healed forever. No more cancer. No more heart attacks. No more tears. No more pain. No more goodbyes. And i got to believe for a lot of us in this room, we're looking forward to that day because we're tired of the devastation of cancer. We're tired of the devastation of all the things that go on. We're tired of saying goodbye. The pain is overwhelming. Notice in your sermon, notice not only who's there in heaven, but you also see in these chapters what or who isn't there. And the answer, evil. Revelation 21, verse 7. He who overcomes... Make it to the end. You stay consistent with Jesus. He who overcomes will inherit all of this. And I often wondered when John is writing it and, and God is telling him to write it, if he almost went like this and then just kind of just looked around. All of this will be yours. And I'll be his God. And he'll be my son But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Notice that sin is sin. No degrees of sin. No little white sins or little blacks. Sin is sin, and sin brings death. Always does, always has, always will. The wages of sin is death. Well, it's not that bad. Sin is sin. You can market it. You can package it any way you want, but sin is sin. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you ever find yourself tired of filth and sin? And man, does Satan know how to package it? I mean, he packages it really well. And every so often, I just get so tired I use the internet a lot for research, for stories. When I'm bored, I, 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 go, to, I go to Bing and I look up something. And I, before I do, there's all those 27 articles down below. And then I start reading one of those articles and then there's something else. And I'm so distracted, I can't remember why I was there to begin with. What's fascinating to me is all this junk on the side that just keeps popping up. And anymore, it comes so fast. You can't get enough. And you've got to be really careful what you type into your search engine. I won't even give you stories along that line with a mixed audience. But I'm telling you, it's packaged over and over and over again. Can you even imagine how incredible it will be in a world in the future without evil and filth and trash? Scripture also tells us that Jesus paid the ultimate price so that we can have access to God. Do you notice the verse that we read last Sunday morning in Revelation 21? Tells us the gates are never closed closed there's no this is god speaking we're only here nine to five please leave a message we'll get back to you sometime by the end of the universe i mean unlimited access to god now we have that through prayer but what i love about this section of scripture is the gates are never closed unlimited constant access to god now through prayer then face to face I've always wondered what it was like for Moses to talk to God. There's a verse on the screen, especially the first half of that. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. I love when Jesus, near the end of his ministry, said, I no longer call you my disciples, I call you my friends in John 15. Can you imagine what it's like to talk to God as a friend? Talk to God face to face. And we get that opportunity through prayer. It's one of the reasons that I think Jesus said that. Because he wanted to make sure that out of his three years of ministry, he separated those barriers. He let us realize that we have access to the God of the universe. And he said that <clears throat> incredible opportunity that Moses had where he talked to God as a friend. You're now our friend. You're now my friend. I've given you access to God. So when they said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? He said, Papa. I've given you access to God, and he longs to see you, longs to hear from you like a dad for his children. I love Isaiah 6. It's enlisted. I listed a lot of scriptures. I know you don't have time to read them all now, and some of them will appear on the screen, but I, I love Isaiah 6. It was the year King Uzziah died, and Isaiah said, I went to church like I always do. And in that moment, I saw God. High and lifted up. It was an incredible. Everything shook angels everywhere, and he begins to describe that scene. He falls on his face before Almighty God. I I can't believe that I'm in the presence of Almighty God. And the impact that it had on Isaiah when he's trying to say, I'm not even worthy to be in your presence, God. I'm not even worthy to be in your presence. That's what's incredible about our relationship with Jesus is all of those barriers that Isaiah and everyone through the Old Testament thought were there to keep us away from God. Jesus has said, come on, come in. You have access to the God of the universe. Can you imagine seeing God? Do you ever wonder what we're going to be doing in heaven? We're not going to an eternal Retirement home to play shuffleboard for the rest of our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for that. We're going to be worshiping God. We're going to be serving Him. Revelation 22:3, we will be serving God. We're going to spend our time worshiping, exploring the face of God, and serving Him. And I got to believe somebody said, Well, that'll only take a week or two. Can you imagine exploring the face of God? I gave you an illustration a couple of weeks ago of what it's like if we send a message. At light speed, 186,000 miles a second to the end of the universe, it would take years and years and years for that to get to the end of the universe. And then I have that verse for you in Psalm 95. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. God holds the universe in his hands. That universe that is so vast, so broad, so enormous... That if you send a message at 186,000 miles a second to the end of the universe, you'd never live long enough for it to get there. That God who contains all of that, who made all of that, invites us home into his presence for all eternity. i got to believe that it's going to take more than a week or two to explore the vastness of God. When you look at the vastness of his universe. We're going to serve him. No longer will there be any curse in Revelation 22. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be the city, and His servants will serve Him. Jesus, near the end of His ministry, especially in Matthew, gave a number of illustrations. He was trying to get them ready for all the next steps that were going to take place. The cross, the crucifixion, resurrection, and all that. But He spent a lot of time in Matthew trying to give them snippets of what it's going to be like. The kingdom of heaven will be like. The kingdom of heaven will be like. And I got to believe in Acts chapter 1 when it said after Jesus rose from the dead, he spent 40 days with his disciples talking to them about the kingdom of heaven. And that's all it says. He probably rehearsed some of the things that he said to them in Matthew. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who went on a long journey. He called his servants and he entrusted his property to them. He gave one five talents, another two and another one according to their ability. He went on a journey. The one who received the five went at once, put it to work, and gained five more. The one who, two did two. But the man who only received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled the accounts with them. The man who received five brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with this. Look what I've done with it. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two did the same. Master, you entrusted me with this? Look what I've done. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. The end of Revelation chapter 2, chapter 21 and 22, he said, come on. Come. Come home. You and I get to serve him. And a lot of it is based on how we're serving him now what we're doing for him. All of life is a preparation for eternity. So I ask myself, and I know you need to as well, how do I think God's going to use me in the future based on how I'm serving him now in the presence? How do I think God's going to use me in the future based on how I'm now serving him in the presence? And and not in the present form of what I'm doing on a Sunday or what Coz does or Connie does in our pastoral team here or serving him full time in ministry. My dad is a farmer who didn't finish eighth grade who's probably led more people to personal faith in Jesus Christ than many pastors that I know in the world other than Billy Graham. has nothing to do with what we do for a living. has everything to do with the opportunity that God has placed in front of us to serve him in whatever way that may be, wherever he's placed us, to whomever he's placed us in front of. And so you and I have the opportunities that We can touch a number of people and you touch more than I'll ever touch. And the list goes on. How are we serving him now in whatever position, whatever place, whatever career, whatever job, whatever person God has placed in front of us? How are we serving him now? Because that will make a difference in how we serve him in the future. We get to worship God. We get to give him praise in John chapter 4 and Jesus confronts a woman at the well. She tried to change the subject. You ever notice when the spirit of God kind of comes in and pushes us, she you you, you want to change the subject. I'd rather not talk about that right now. And so she begins to talk to him about, well, you know, where do we worship God? What does that look like? And Jesus confronted her with her issue and talked about the lifestyle she was living and all that went with that. And he said, "I just need you to know there's going to come a day when it really won't matter the where. It won't matter the location." It won't matter what instruments we use. It won't matter what songs we sing. Those who really, really understand worship will worship me in spirit, which means my spirit connects with the living God, and in truth, when I fully, clearly understand who he is, who I am, what he wants from me, and the opportunity I have to give him praise. You and I have the opportunity to come to God through Christ now and then. Who praise. Revelation tells us that the, the bride is us. We are the temple of the living God in 1 Corinthians six nineteen. We not only have access to God, we are the dwelling place of God now and in the future. No longer citizens and no longer aliens and foreigners. Ephesians says, we are fellow citizens of God, place, built on a foundation of Jesus Christ. In him, the whole building is joined together and raises to become the holy temple of God and in him you too are being built together to become the dwelling in which God by his spirit lives and you too all of us who know Christ is our savior are being built together into a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit so how do we get there Jesus And like any way that you get through any eternal dwelling, they go through the gate. And the gates are made of a single pearl. If you read all of Revelation, specifically the details of how it's described in 21, all the dimensions that go with that and the streets of gold and everything else, it fascinates me with what we call valuable and precious here is everywhere in heaven. What we call valuable and precious here is everywhere in heaven. We just stand on gold. No big deal. It's not that big a deal. He is why we're here. There's a fascinating piece in all of that. Maybe you've heard it before, but I want to finish this morning saying it this way. In Revelation 21, 21, it says this. The 12 gates are 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. It's not pearly gates. Is there a song that says pearly gates? I'm I'm sure it does. Uh, And I know we have a song, you know, I I got a mansion over the hilltop. You just need to know it's a room. It's not a mando, it's a mansion, it's a condo, and you're lit. No, I'm kidding. It's not pearly gates. It is a single pearl. The symbolism of using the pearl is incredible. Most other precious stones are formed by pressure and heat, right? Diamonds are made that way. Pearls, by blood, suffering, and death. Bits of sand get into the oyster. They irritate the membrane, the oyster secretes fluid and blood, and they form around the irritant, and the pearl develops. To retrieve the pearl, the oyster has to die. Get the symbolism of that? Of all the precious stones mentioned in Revelation, it's interesting that he tells us that we enter through a gate made of a pearl. The only way into the kingdom of God is through the cross of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, cost him everything. You can't get to heaven because you're good enough. The only way to get to heaven is through Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one, he says, comes to God but through me. And he offers that to all of us. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And it's not for a select few. It is for all to receive. He said, I want every single one of you to be there. The reason I've held off. He says to Peter, the reason I've held off the final judgment is that no one misses it. That all will be saved. I encourage you to answer the call, Revelation twenty-two seventeen: The spirit of the bride and the bride says, come. Let him who hears come. Anyone who is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of God. My prayer is then your sermon notes that God's incredible vision given to John of the future will be our motivation for the present. That John's incredible vision of the future will be our motivation for the present. How we live, how we expect to get in, how we serve, how we love, who we are, and what we look forward to. Everything we've done over the last 14, 15, 18 weeks, I'm not even sure how long it's taken, is just a snippet what God has for us in the future and so much more about worrying about the day, the time, the hour he said you're not going to figure it out anyhow just be ready because I'm telling you when you're there, none of the other things will matter Father we thank you for the glimpse that you have given us of the future and what is available to us and what you have done and what you have prepared for those of us who love you and call you by name so as we join with thousands down through the ages who have given you praise and we worship you and we adore you and we celebrate with you and we celebrate who you are and what you've done for us. I lay my family here at CAC before your feet and I pray, oh God, in the name of Jesus, that every single person who hears my voice this day knows you as Lord and Savior. That if not, they'll reach out and accept and realize that you're the only way. It's not how good how bad they've been, but who you are and what you offer. And so, as you have invited, come. And Father, now as we join, can't even imagine what it's going to be like, but we get little glimpses every so often of what it's going to be like in the future. And we want to be ready. And we look forward to that day. In the name of Jesus, we pray.